I told you that was going to be good. Amen. Thank you, Miss Emily. Appreciate the good singing. And uh, Brother Jimmy, if you're watching, I just want to tell you, I tore your microphone up. I tore mine up the other week, and then I tore his up. So I might be becoming a liability to the church tearing microphones up. But uh, hopefully we'll get it all worked out. So I'll just have to go old school and preach real loud. Amen. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 2 this morning. Genesis chapter number 2. And uh, we're going to look at one verse, verse number 7. And I want to preach on, on this thought. Hang with me. On, on the breath of God. Do you realize that without the breath of God, we can do nothing? There's no life without the breath of God. And so, I'll tell you what, I, I, let's go back to verse number 1 of uh, Genesis chapter 2. We'll read down through verse number 7. The Bible said, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. And these are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went out, uh, went up a mist from the earth, and watched the whole face of the ground, or uh, watered the whole face of the ground. Verse seven: The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now I, I find it interesting, and and you know the account of Genesis chapter 1, uh, the Bible said, God said, let there be light. God saw that light and that, that it was good. God said, let there be a firmament. God said in verse 9, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together. Uh, God said, let the earth bring forth grass. God said in verse 14, let there be light. God had made two great lights and he set the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And and all that creation, verse 20, God said, let the waters bring. And all those things, God spoke things into existence, right? When we look at creation, the word of God was important in creation. Can we agree there? Something different about verse 7 of chapter 2. The Bible said the Lord formed man. He didn't just speak man into existence. He formed him, according to the Bible, uh, of the dust of the ground. And so there was something different about man in creation than the rest of creation. And I'd say this, as we look in verse 7, the Bible said he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. And so to have life, you have to have breath. Can we agree with that? I mean, if you don't have breath, if you don't have oxygen coming in your body, you're not going to survive. Well, in Genesis 2, we see that God creating man but man did not live until God breathed life into him he was a he was a he was a being right he was there he was formed from the dust of the earth but he did not have life until God breathed into him 
And so we also see today, we see the church today as a dead, lifeless entity. I mean, let's be honest, in most places we call church, you go in there and uh, the funeral home has more life than the church does. And I don't understand that. I, I watched some of the football game yesterday and, and uh, over a piece of leather going back and forth and guys running and tackling each other, which I like. I'm not criticizing. I like to see guys knock each other down and, you know, all that stuff. But they're excited about it, right? I mean, they, they, they've got their team and uh, some of them dressed up in their uh, favorite team's outfits and, and they're screaming and yelling. Yet we think about that she just sang that song, He Touched Me and, and I Don't Have to Die and Go to Hell. And all of a sudden it's like, well, I don't want to get too excited in church. Men or kids or grandkids, they'll, they'll uh, sing in a program or play an instrument and and uh, we'll get all excited about that, or they'll, you know, they'll play in a ball game and strike out, and we'll say, man, we'll clap for them, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yet we come to church, and we can't even really get too excited. I'd say the church is dead. I mean, as you look in Revelation, you see the church ages, right? You see that final two churches, the uh, the, the church at Philadelphia, the church at Laodicea, they're, they're running parallel. And you've got one church, the church at Philadelphia, let's be honest, it's, it's marked by evangelism, missions, getting the gospel out. There's an excitement, a, a, an air of revival there. But then the Laodicean church is dead, right? It's not hot or cold, it's just existing. That's really probably where we are today, if we're honest. I'm not saying necessarily our local body of believers, but I'm talking about the church in general. And so we want revival. We say we want revival. We want to see God do something, Brother Eddie, in this day, but the church cannot be revived without the breath of God. It was formed, the church was formed to be a lively stone. In 1 Peter 2, 5, the Bible says, Ye also as lively stones. It was not created to be a dead entity or a relic of what it used to be. It should be the reflection uh, the bride. Listen, I, I hope, ladies, when you got married, there was an excitement about the marriage to your husband. I don't know if the excitement's still there, but at least when you first got married, there was an excitement, and the bride is excited, and we're the bride of Christ. And so there should be an excitement among God's people about the Lord Jesus Christ and about His return. So how do we become the lively stones that we're supposed to be, the living organism God desired us to be, and I would say this, in order to be that, and as we look to this year, 2023, our theme, let's find out, it's not simply about searching the scriptures, I, I just believe we're in a day where we need to find out, we need, we need to find out if God is who he says he is, we need to find out what the real power of God is, we need to find out about how much faith we really have, we say we have it, but do we really trust God? We say we want revival. Well, let's find out. I mean, let, let, let's just stop with the theories. Let's stop rationalizing the Word of God. Let's stop with the common sense and let's just find out if God will do what He says He'll do. So, so we need the breath of God. And so this scripture, I'll share three things with you this morning on the breath of life. Number one, I see in this scripture... A picture of the lifeless church. 
Now notice in verse 7, the Bible said the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Well, there he is. Can you see him? God said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take dust, right? And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start making man. Man's important to God, right? Some of you are looking at me kind of funny. Hang with me, right? He spoke everything else into existence, yet here it is. He's taking dust and he's, he's, forming, he's forming man. And so I want you to see that the foundation of the lifeless church is the Lord Jesus Christ. The foundation is not Peter. Jesus didn't point to Peter and say, Upon this rock I'll build my church. He pointed to himself and said, Upon this rock I'll build my church. We're not building anything on Peter. Amen? We're not building anything on the apostles. We're building the church. The church is built on the foundation, the rock, the rock, not a rock, the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it was the desire and the design of the Lord from the beginning for him to be the head of the church. Not the pope, not the pastor, not the deacons, not the elders. Come on, help me now. Not the, not the, not the missionary benevolence crew, not the benevolence fund, not the ladies auxiliary. Praise God. I'm, let me get some help here. See, we, we need to get back to the foundation. The foundation is built on Jesus Christ. This isn't my church, it's not your church, it's his church. I'm glad to be a member of it, I'm glad to be a part of it, but I don't own anything here, neither do you. Oh, but I pay my tithe, well help yourself. He gave more on the cross of Calvary than you'll ever put in the offering plate. So, so when we look at this thing, he is the foundation of it all. Not the independent Baptists, not the Catholics, not the Reformed Baptists, not the Primitive. I'm, not, I'm so sick everybody decide. well, I, here's what I am. You don't even know what you are. You, most people are what they are because their mamas and their grandmamas were that. You ought to be what you are because you know what you believe. And I said all the time, I'm independent Baptist, but as soon as the Baptists go against the Bible, I'm against the Baptist. Amen. That book is the most important thing. He spoke it. He spoke it. He spoke it. The Bible said faith cometh by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. The word of God has got to be the foundation of the church. It's got to be the foundation of your life and my life. Not programs, not the kids program, not the choir, not the music. I'm thankful for all those things. But friend, if God's church is going to be what it needs to be, it's got to be based on the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only the foundation, I want you to see the formation of it. So unlike everything else so far, God didn't speak man into existence. He formed him. He built him. Right? Same thing with the church. You go to the New Testament. God, Brother Matt, was taking the pieces. Boy, this is helping me. And putting them together. He took those disciples and took them on a three and a half year uh, mentorship. And he says, okay, in just a little while, I'm going to die on the cross to purchase the church. I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to rise again on the third day. And they still didn't get it quite yet. And then he ascended uh, up into heaven. And he left them, left us, right, with the Great Commission. And so he had all these things in place. He had Peter in place. He had Paul in place. He was putting people right where he wanted them. And as I said earlier, he had all those, uh, all those uh, Christians there in Jerusalem. And he told them in Acts 1.8, he said, here's what I want. I want you to get the gospel around the world. And they said, oh, man, we're having camp meeting. Amen. You know what I've learned is 20, being 20 years as a pastor? I've been to enough camp meetings and I've been to enough preacher's fellowship where I think 
quit going. I got tired of hearing guys gripe about their church and gripe about the members and gripe right. about all the stuff. I'm like, I, I can do without that. Right. Man, I, if I go, I want to hear some good preaching that's going to encourage me. I don't need you preaching on standards. I know what my standards are. I don't need all the silliness. Just, amen. But, but, but here's my point. We get to the place, if we're not careful, we miss the main thing of the main thing. The formation of the church, it is not organizations. It's not how we decide we're going to do things. The formation of the church was the Lord Jesus Christ. Unlike everything else, he built it. He built man. He's building the church, amen, every day. Uh, such should be saved. He's adding to the church. He's building the church. It's his church. So the church was built by God. God brought it together, not man. Right. Give you something else. You ready for this? Let me tell you what part of our problem is in this day. We're starting churches, but they're not being birthed out of another church. They're get, being birthed or started because Christians can't get along with each other. There's splinters and splits instead of being birthed out of a need because there's a place that doesn't have a local church. I was going somewhere, I think we were going up to Boone on 421. I was looking, I saw three Baptist church signs. Some of you shaking your head. You see, they're using the same post. And they're all pointing down the same side road. And I'm thinking they're probably splits, I don't know for sure, probably splits. One got mad at this one, moved over here, and this one got mad at this one, moved over here, and now there's three of them. Now what could be done for the cause of Christ if Christians would just get along? Amen. It's like the story you heard of the guy that he's shipwrecked on an island. There was three huts. Finally the, the, uh, the uh, Navy came and found him, saw the smoke signals, came and got him. There were three huts on that island. They came and got him and said, Now, sir, what's this? He said, That's where I live. He said, What's that hut? He said, That's where I go to church at. He said, What's that church? He said, That's where I used to go to church at. <laughs> right? We, we, we have to get out of this nomadic Christian mindset, realize there's people all over the world who's never heard the gospel, and realize that the church was built by God. It was brought together by God, not by man. So it's not my job to split it up. It's not your job to split it up. Maybe I need to say that again. You don't have the right to split it up. You don't have the right to sow discord. You don't have a right to, well, I'll tell you what I think. This is his church. He, he formed it. He's the foundation of it, not you or me. But then I want you to see the fashion of it. Now think about a body where the parts are not where they're supposed to be. Now, I understand that some of us sometimes put our foot in our mouth. Brother Junior, that is not where the foot belongs. Can we agree with that? that is, Brother Marty, that is not the natural place where the foot belongs is in our mouth. The foot belongs at the end of the leg. The hand belongs at the end of the arm. The arm belongs at the end of the at the at the end of the shoulder, right? So if I have an arm growing out my head, can we agree it's in the wrong place? If I've got a leg growing out of my stomach, can we agree it's in the wrong place? In other words, what I'm trying to say is when God formed man, 
He said, here, I'm going to put the arm here. I'm going to put the foot here. I'm going to put the leg here. I'm going to put the ears here and the eyes here, the nose here. I'm going to put the heart right here. I'm going to cause the body to be able to, uh, at some point in time, to heal itself. When you start bleeding and you cut yourself and that, that scab pops up, that is your blood rotting to close up that hole called coagulation. That's what God did for you so you don't bleed to death every time you have a cut. That's pretty amazing. When you get sick, your white blood cells rush to that place and start attacking that virus. That's God. Amen. That's not modern medicine. That's not evolution. That is a creator that knew every part of the organism he was creating and he put all those things just in in the place where they should be. That's what he did in verse 7. He formed man of the dust of the ground. So here's man. Hang with me. And all those parts are where they're supposed to be. Every part was placed to complement each other and work together. So likewise, God has fashioned the church with different abilities and different gifts to work together to bring glory to God. Ephesians 4.16 says it this way. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Notice that Bible that your Bible does not say that every joint taketh away. But the Garrett doesn't say every joint is sucking the life out of the body. It said every joint is supplying. Now I'm not real smart, but I know supply means giving. And I don't mean necessarily we're not talking about money. We're talking about you, giving you. Your talents, your abilities, your commitment, your worship, what God has blessed you with. You are here in this body because you have a gift, a talent God wants to use for the edification or the building up of this body. Agree? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15 to 24, the Bible said, If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole uh, were hearing, where was the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. There's the key. It has pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? Now are they many members... Yet but one body, and the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more these members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary in those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable. Upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness, for our comely parts have no no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to the parts which lacked. So, so here's what he's saying. He said, look, if you're a hand, don't, don't want to be an eye. If you're an eye, don't want to be an ear. You're important. Listen, if you're not the pastor, so what? If you're not the song leader, who cares? If you're not a deacon, don't get offended. You're needed in the body. So whatever you do, whether it's you know uh, clean up the toilet, whether it's uh, maintenance, whether it's uh, lead the singing, whether it's a media guy, whatever it is, working the nursery, working the children, you're needed. And so a lot of times what we see 
is not necessarily the most important thing. Ready? Now I'm hoping this will be a good illustration. How many of you have looked inside your body and seen your pancreas? Has anybody seen your own pancreas? Brother Ken, I've never seen my pancreas. I sure am thankful I got one. Has anybody ever seen your own liver? Hallelujah, I'm glad my liver's in there working. Right? I'm glad the ticker's in there. And it's pumping blood, amen. I'm glad the lungs are taking in oxygen and spewing out CO2, aren't you? See, you don't have to be seen to be important. A lot of times we think you've got to be seen to be important. No, no. There's a lot going on behind the scenes in our body that you never see. When you wake up in the morning, you don't go, whoo, I-, I wonder if my heart's working. You'll know if it's not working. Maybe you won't. See what I'm saying? We need to get off of this thing of, right? right? So here's the lifeless church. God says, all right, I'm creating it from nothing. I'm forming it like I want it. Huh? He's the foundation. But here's the problem. It looks good. First part of verse 7 you do realize that Adam was the perfect man. Before sin entered in the world, Adam was the perfect man. Intellectually, spirit, I mean, it's perfect. Looked perfect. A lot of churches look that way, right? But something's missing. So number two is we've we got to look at the life of the church. So, what we have to examine is what is missing. All right? What is missing? We have all the parts. We're fashioned by God, for God. Why did he create Adam? He didn't create Adam uh, for Adam's sake. He created Adam to worship God. You say he created him to, to keep the garden. Not at first he didn't. He created Adam to fellowship with Adam. Can we agree? So if we're fashioned by God for God, what's missing? Verse 7. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So what is mandatory for life? Breath, right? Adam was not a living soul in verse 7 until God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. You and I cannot... Listen, you cannot be saved without the Word of God. You cannot be saved without God's Word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, right? But as a church, we know the Word of God's important. You can't have a church without the Word of God. But something else has to take place. If we want revival, it is God's breath of life upon us. It's not uh, changing the music. It's not light shows. It's not smoke. It's not all this. That's not it, friend. Because God in times past, I read read something the other day, said that before... uh, Probably 1970, 1980. Listen to what I'm saying. People did not go to church to be entertained. They didn't go to church to be entertained. They didn't go to see the light show. They didn't go to see the smoke. They didn't go. Listen, this isn't a movie theater. 
We're not here to serve popcorn and drinks and, you know, just come as you are, do as you please. No, 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 no. That's not who, that's not what we come for, right? Not to have your phones out while I'm bored. I'm going to play, you know, uh, Minecraft and I'm going to play Candy Crush. You, can I be honest with you? You, you unless you, you shouldn't even have your phone. I mean, just leave it in the car. Believe it or not, up until the last generation of people, there wasn't a phone to bring to church. Right? Well, I got to. We might want to do that. There was, you, didn't have a, you didn't have a cell phone to bring to church. People actually came to church and worshiped God. That they carry their old, their old black back Bible with them under their arm and said, man, we're going to worship God. We're going to see the king today. Amen. Now if you don't have, well, you know, you've got to have a coffee bar and got to let people, you shouldn't bring your popcorn and you shouldn't bring your tater chips Amen. and your mountain, just leave them at home. Amen. Oh, but what if I get thirsty? You ought to be thirsty for the living water. Amen? So, so what, what is missing is the, that breath. What is mandatory is that breath. The church cannot have revival without the breath of God. It, is, it will simply remain a lifeless body. All the parts were there. I mean, I mean maybe God could come and move his arm and say, Oh, it's in, it's in motion, but without the breath of God, there's no life. In the church, if there's no breath, there's no life. Right? So we must have the breath of God. It's mandatory to survive and to thrive. Then number three, the lively church. So, so why, here's, here's what we got to figure out. Why was the church, Brother Matt, why was the church created? Wasn't, what, it wasn't created for us to have a place to just come, Right? I'm glad we got a place to come, but, you know, why, the church, the body of believers, why did God create this organism? Well, why did he create Adam? The Bible said the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostril the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So why would he create Adam? Well, if you look, and we won't go through all the scripture, you can look back through Genesis. He created Adam to commune with him. He, he, he wanted someone to fellowship with. He wanted someone to worship him. You say, what about the angels? The angels were created for the one thing to worship him. I mean, that, he's got him around just holy, holy, holy. He created a living being, put him on the earth, gave him free will, and said, I want you to understand how good I am, and I want you and your own free will to worship me. That's why we come to church. That's why we're created. As an individual, God created you to worship him. We're missing that, folks. Well, I can worship him on a fishing boat, but do you? I can worship him in a tree stand. Yes, you can, but do you? Right. I can worship him at the mall on Sundays, but you don't. Right. 
I can worship him down at Panther Stadium. That, you don't have a Jesus hat on. You got your Panther hat on when you're going to. I'm saying let's, let's realize that God gave us a local assembly to congregate, to commune, to communally worship him together. He was created, man was created to worship God. Where do we fail? Worshiping God. Where do we fail in our prayer life? Worshiping God. Where do we fail in our music? Worshiping God. Where do we fail in our messages? Worshiping God. Where do we fail when we get up in the morning? Worshiping God. The thing we're created for, we're failing because we don't have the breath of God. Then also, not only did he create us to commune with him, he created us to cultivate. When Adam sinned, God said, now go in the garden and care for it. Even before that, he told him to do that. He said, I'm putting you in here to care for the garden, right? I want you to take care of it. God created man to work in the garden. A lot of Christians are, you know, you know what, that golden era of church, when people were getting saved every service and bus routes were going and revivals were taking place and missions were, you know what was happening? God's people were worshiping, but they were working. Yes, sir. We missed the work part. Oh, preach, I work 50 hours a week. Great. I don't have time. Exactly. Careful. Because you're not the first generation that worked 50 hours a week. Neither am I. You have generations past that worked in the mines and worked in the factories and they worked 12 hours a day and they'd have revival and they said, man, we got to go. Well, I, I, I don't have time to cook supper before church. They didn't care about supper. They cared about God. Well, if we come to revival, what if it lasts till 11 o'clock and the kids don't get in bed for school? It's okay. They'll be fine without... Spe- Listen, they're, I don't want to go there. They're not teaching that stuff anyway. I'd rather my kids know about God. I can teach them spelling. I can teach them math. But if God's doing something, I want them around that. Amen? It won't hurt them. Let them go into school. Listen, if you had tickets to the Super Bowl, you'd say, well, it's just one time. That's a lifetime. That's a once-a-lifetime experience. The kids would, they'd love that. But it won't do them any good. God created us to cultivate, to work. God created the church to work for His glory. Not just to have church. Man, this is, you know what this is? This is, the, this is the celebration part of it. Coming to the house of God on Sunday is the celebration. This isn't, Brother Marty, this isn't all there is to it. This is a small part. We need to stop going to church and start being the church. We, they need to know what the church is out there. Then not only did he create Adam to commune with him and to cultivate. Watch this. Slowly we're losing, I'm losing my amens in this place. Why else did he create Adam? To conceive. 
Adam and Eve, you know what he told them? Be fruitful and what? Multiply. Have babies. What he's saying? Replenish the earth. Right? After the flood, you know what he told Noah? Go out and, go out and replenish the earth. You know what the church is here to do? Conceive. Spiritual babies. Win people to Christ. We're not here just to have church. We're here to be the church out there so that this world who is on its way to hell will know there's another way. There's life in Jesus Christ. We want revival, right? That's what we say, Brother Eddie. Oh, we need, we need revival. It's revival or bust. This country needs revival. The church needs revival. The country will never have revival till the church has revival, and the church never have revival until we as individuals have revival. Here's Adam. Look good. Can you see him? God said, boy, he looks good. Missing something. <sighs> right? You know what the church needs? We just need. Listen. Bible hadn't changed. God hadn't changed. Just need breath. You know what you need in your life? To make you lively again? Boy, if you miss Sunday school, we had a good time in here. We had good discussion. Preacher, I'm just so exhausted. You just don't know how tired I am. Welcome to life. I just need vacation. I, I just need to. I just need to buy a house down at the beach so I can go sit on the beach all day long. I'm assuming you have a beach ministry where you're going to be handing out tracts all day on the beach, right? No. God created us for a purpose. That is to be the church. And we will be dead without the breath of God. If you're here today, you're not a Christian, you know what you need? The breath of God. You're not going to go to heaven because you're a good person, because you joined a church, because you got baptized. It'll be when you, when you trust Christ as your Savior. Some of you here today, you're lifeless, I'm not critical. I'm trying to help you. You're, you're hollow inside. You're just going through the motions. I've been there. You've been there. New job won't fix it. New car won't fix it. You know what you need? The breath of God. Let's stand together. Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning. As Susan's coming to the piano, no one's looking around. I just want to ask you this. If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? I'm not asking you, hey, I've been baptized, I've been a member of a church, I'm a good person.
Has there ever been a time in your life where you've asked the Lord Jesus to be your Savior? If not, I want you to do this. I just want you to slip your hand up. Say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I will not come to you. I will not embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Would you do that? Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. I need your prayers. Is there one? Is there one? You here today? Many are on the altar. God spoke to your heart and says, you know what you need? Just need fresh breath. Just need me to need me to breathe on you. You know something's missing. You know something's wrong. You've tried everything else, right? Tried to clean up, tried to do better, but something's missing. Why don't you just come and say, Lord, I need you. I need you. Like she's saying, I need your touch. I need you to do something in my life today. I'm tired of the deadness. I'm tired of the dryness. I'm tired of just going through the motion. I want, I want real. Amen. I want what's real. You come. Maybe you got another need. Something on your heart God burdens you with today. Let me invite you to come. song he'll take you just as you are Heavenly Father I thank you for your goodness and your love thank you for what you've done in our service today meet every need we pray that you've got glory today in Jesus name we pray